here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast we have a message uh, from this last weekend delivered by one of the members of our teaching team, Brandon Smith. And this message kind of actually continues our series in looking at wisdom in the Bible, uh, though he is actually tying it into the lectionary, this uh, passage from the weekend, which happened to be talking about wisdom, just a different, uh, a different take on it. So this one is called Of Snakes and Doves. So we're looking at saying to be wise as serpents and Innocent as Dove. So let's go ahead and head to the talk. North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covenant. Thanks for listening. I'm taking the morning off from speaking, and so we have one of the members of our teaching team, seminary graduate now, right? Close. Oh, sorry. Don't clap yet. (laughs) Clap for encouragement. Uh, Brandon came to our church uh, probably a little over a year ago, and he started interning with us as part of his uh, going to Fuller Seminary in Houston, and... uh, even though he lives about an hour away, and so he's been on our teaching team and all that, and it's been it's been good having a, a theologically minded person to you know kind of keep us on our tracks occasionally. Well, I don't know if you do that very well. It's it's like herding cats, but at least he still puts up with us, and it's a testimony to his uh, his patience, and he's still here uh, after a year. So he's going to be uh, speaking this morning uh, on a message called "Of Snakes and Doves." So give him North. Warm North Shore Vineyard, welcome to Brandon Gradell-Smith. Yes, thank you. You're too kind. And uh, much like Christmas said, I am also ready to graduate, but still not there yet. Um, Two more classes, guys. Two more classes this summer. uh, I have to go to California for a week to finish out, and then I will have mastered the divine and have the... Then I will really preach. Then I think I'm just going to go on the road and just have a jacket and swing it at people and stuff like that. And, uh, because that's what happens. Um, but anyways, uh, so uh, most of what I'm bringing you this morning is actually kind of a semi-continuation of the series that Christmas has been doing the last couple weeks. Um, you've been here, you know, Christmas has been kind of going through a series on uh, the book of Proverbs and the idea of wisdom. And so, as he's been speaking, there's this one verse that just keeps popping in my mind. It's it's really been haunting me in some ways because in a lot of ways, I don't know what it means. I don't know if I've ever heard a sermon on it before, but it's one verse, which is, we usually do passages here, but I, I just couldn't get past this one verse that I'm going to read to you today. And the verse is Matthew 10, verse 16. And it simply says, this is Jesus speaking, Look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as wise as snakes and as innocent as doves. So, last several weeks, this verse has just been popping up into my mind a lot. In my prayer times, I would just think about it 
be as wise as snakes and as innocent as doves. And to give you a little context on the passage is Jesus is actually talking about dealing with people that are hostile to his ministry and his message. He talks about further like, you're going to, hey, guys, I'm sending you out there. You're going to get arrested. You're going to get beaten. You're going to be brought before for the, the kings and the senators, and you're going to have to give account what you're doing, and they're going to hurt you, and they're going to jail you, and all kind of stuff, bad stuff, a lot of, a lot of bad stuff. So that's the context. And so because of this, Jesus says, you need to be as wise as a snake and as innocent as a dove. So let's just look at the verse, break it down a little bit. We see Jesus uses four different kind of animal analogies in this verse. We have the wolves. These are, obviously, wolves are violent predators. They are seeking, looking something to devour. They're, these would be the people that are hostile to Jesus' message. We have the sheep, which are followers of Jesus, who are a peaceful people, a peaceful creatures. Wouldn't hurt a fly. In fact... I mean, what's more peaceful than a sheep? The sheep is actually the animal we think about when we try to go to sleep at night. You know, I got up to 121 last night. And it was just, um, you know, it's such a peaceful animal. Then we have the snakes. And, and these snakes, though, are seen as cunning and... Wise, and some of your Bibles would even say shrewd in describing the snakes. Unless we have the doves, which were which were which are um, as peaceful as sheep, and so even though we are wise as snake, we also have to keep this innocence, this peacefulness of doves. So the question is, how is it possible to be all of these things? How is it possible for followers of Jesus to be both? As wise as a snake and as innocent as a dove. Because the interesting thing is, snakes aren't exactly cuddly. You know, a snake is not something that you usually associate with being a follower of Jesus. In fact, when I think of a snake in the Bible, I think of Genesis 1 and the serpent in the Garden of Eden. I, when I think snakes, I think Satan and the devil. That's not something I would assume Jesus wants me to aspire to be like. But, on the other hand, the snake is a wise, cunning, and even somewhat of a tricky, tricky type of animal. It hides. That's why we call people who we don't see as, um, who can betray as a snake in the grass. You know, we don't see them coming. They, we see them innocent, all of a sudden we step on a snake, they bite us, you know, and we never saw it coming. They're cunning, they're sneaky. How is that appropriate for a follower of Christ to be? The dove is easy enough, because unlike the snake, which is often represented as Satan, the dove, we see, is often representative of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized... Bible says the Holy Spirit came as the form of a dove, and the voice of God said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. So, we have snakes, 
and we have doves. How is it possible to be as wise as a snake and as innocent as a dove? So the best way I keep coming back to this is kind of to share some of my own story. I hope you'll give me some, uh, bear with me as I kind of share you what I've gone through because there's times I've been as innocent as a dove in my life. There's times I've been as wise as a snake. But there's also times when I've been as guilty as a snake and as wise as a dove. You see, because what we want to be as we strive to be innocent is we want to be innocent without being naive. Theologian N.T. Wright says, without innocence, shrewdness or wisdom becomes manipulative. Without shrewdness or wisdom, innocence becomes naivety. So when I was growing up, uh, I was raised in the Southern Baptist denomination, which is a very um, very serious denomination, if none of you are familiar with it. Um, but they take the Bible very seriously, and, and you know, th there's not much room for, um, what's to say? Well, it's like somebody once told me, I don't want to say this, but I am. <laughs> Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist can put the evil in the evangelical. So, because, that was a seminary professor joke. Um, but what it means was that they're kind of rigid and stagnant, and they're, they're very serious. I remember I had a preacher once told me that we are to have the feeling of the Spirit and not worry so much about the feeling of the Spirit. The F-I-L-L-I-N-G of the Spirit and not the feeling of the Spirit, the, the emotions which I thought that was kind of boring, you know? I mean, yeah, I want the feeling of the Spirit, but, man, sometimes the Holy Spirit sure feels good. I want that, too. And so, but I, I was raised in that environment, and then I, I became disenchanted with it because there seemed to be a disconnect between what I read in the Bible and how I was living because... There was just no magic in how I was living. And I read in the Bible about the, these disciples healing people and, and, and just, you know, speaking words of life to people. And um, it just seemed different from where I was living. There was none of that. There was nothing exciting happening. So I started looking for more excitement. And I started going to a, a, a church that I was invited to my friend of mine. It was called a, a full gospel church, which is completely opposite of a Southern Baptist, by the way. This was, if, if there was preaching, if there was preaching, it lasted a couple hours long. If it, if it got there, because the Holy Spirit moved, and when the Holy Spirit moved, that means you just played music the whole service. And so there's always this emotion this was a church where people were falling out. You had to step over people to get somewhere. Um, and it was exciting. There's people claiming of healing and, and, and people, you know, going up to a stranger and just telling them what the Lord had told them to say that day and breaking down in Walmart. And 
really exciting stuff. Um, and I was enamored with it. Um, until there's started to be some things I thought was, well, this is kind of odd. Um, and uh, one in particular that got me was that all of a sudden people started talking about this gold dust phenomenon, which was apparently when people were in prayer and stuff, their bodies would start to shine and glimmer as if covered in gold dust. And it became a big thing. Like It was amazing because the first time somebody come and told us about this, all of a sudden, everybody saw gold dust everywhere. People were literally lifting over chairs. Look, here's a spot of gold dust, you know, and just like, and I was kind of like, well, look around. I was like, okay. I was there for it. It's like, okay, yes, God is manifesting in this gold dust. And it got around uh, through my school and everything. I was in high school at the time. And then uh, I was for it. I was like, yes, God is manifesting himself by doing this amazing thing. The point of it, I don't know. But hey, it's gold dust. It's God. Until some, somehow somebody brought some gold dust to school, and a friend of mine who did not go to my church looked at it and said, well, I was really excited when I heard about this, but I'm not anymore. I was like, why? It's amazing. You have a bag of gold dust from God in your hand. And she said, well, it kind of looks like glitter. <laughs> and, um, you know, I figured like a bag of gold dust would be kind of finer, you know, kind of like a bag of sand. And I said, oh, why are you bringing logic into my illogical situation here? <laughs> and that kind of broke me. I was like, you know what? It really does look like a bag of glitter, not necessarily like dust or sand. And then that kind of sparked something. I mean, where I start seeing, you know, a few other things happen. Like I was at a pro prophetic conference where these people were giving prophetic words to random members of uh, the congregation. And then, lo and behold, I saw a person give a word to one of my friends about um, some kind of a, it was a situation he was facing. And I knew it, but I didn't think anybody else knew it. And he gave this big word in front of the congregation. Everybody clapped, cried. And I went to my friend later, and I said, man, that was awesome. That's exactly what you need to hear. And he looked at me and goes, well, yeah, it would be more awesome if I didn't tell him about it the last night, the night before. You know, it was just like, oh, well, keep in mind the prophet didn't say anything that, that about my friend telling him this night before. He just presented it as if this was a word from God he got out of the blue. So I started becoming disenchanted with that. And, um, and I started seeing more things that I didn't recognize before. Like we had one lady in our church who, she would blow bubbles at you as you walked in through the door. Just like, a, you know, a can of bubbles. And she said this was the Holy Spirit blessing you or something. The Holy Spirit told her this and these bubbles would fall all over you. And, and I began to look at that. And you know what? I said, that's a little weird. I don't know if that's the spirit of God or not. It's just, it's weird. And so I started seeing all these things. I said, well, maybe, maybe there was something to those Baptist preachers that said <laughs> the feeling of the spirit is not the same as the feeling of the spirit. But the thing is, then 
So I, I sort of realized that I had been somewhat naive in my, in my desperation of wanting to know the Spirit of God. I wanted to see things, miracles, and just things I couldn't explain. And so anything that was remotely strange or had a supernatural element to it, I would embrace it, even though it went against my better judgment. And I think there was an innocence there. There was a longing in me to really know God and to experience the things of God. That was in my heart, and that was when the people around me people around me had the same desire. But through that desire, we lost our sense of logic. We lost, actually, we, we probably lost touch with the reality a little bit. We were as innocent as doves, but we were not wise. We were not as shrewd as snakes because everything that would come along, we would just embrace it. Now, as I started kind of getting away from this, I moved from this kind of, I don't know what to call it, this desire to see these miraculous things to more of a, an inner intellectual spirituality where I didn't get my, my connection with God through my emotions, but through my mind, my intellect. That's how kind of led me to seminary because I would start reading these books from these theologians, feeding my mind, really connecting God through my mind and less my emotions. So that led me to become, I would say, somewhat cynical and jaded, sometimes even mean, because now those people I once surround myself with and saw all these pseudo-manifestations of God, I started to look at them as, well, idiots. And sometimes I would let them know that. Like when... um, you know, when there was, I was supposed to lead a small group, and but instead of the small groups happening in the church service, the music came, we decided to have a big prayer service for everybody, and people were like, oh, yes, isn't it nice to, to be at a church so in tune with the, the Spirit of God, and I was like, yeah, or part of a church that just gets the fuzzy feelings over music, and we lose out on good, solid teaching. And I would make these comments to people, and they would get upset at me. And, but I started just making all these comments, really kind of bursting people's bubble in a really rude way. And it came to where I was cynical to where anything that somebody said was something God was doing in their life, I would immediately not believe it. I would say, well, that's probably coincidence. Well... Glad you think of that, but God really doesn't work that way anymore. I became so cynical and just kind of a, a jerk in so many ways. And, and then recently, though, over the last several years, as I was in seminary and my heart was kind of softening uh, through my interactions, interactions with people that were different from me, I became longing for the kid that would believe without a reason anything 
I thought God was doing. I, I became longing for that, that innocence of that kid that would, when he heard rumors of healings, he would just embrace it, that it was a God thing. I became sad because I become as shrewd as a snake or as wise as a snake, but I lost my innocence. And so, like, there's a temptation when we lose our innocence to reject everything we see people we consider naive as embracing. There's a temptation to forget that magic is real. I don't want you to remember this because we, we have a faith where magic is real. God does do amazing, miraculous things. The spirit is wild, untamed, and is constantly at work. And sometimes we miss it because, well, we're too practical. We become too wise in our own eyes. We become like a snake, but we lost, we've lost that innocence. And I'm not saying that that we should lose our wisdom because when we lose that snake-like wisdom, we do become naive and we, we embarrass ourselves in the church. Uh, there is a meme going around on Facebook right now. I meant to actually bring the picture, um, but I forgot, so sorry. You have to imagine. How many of you have seen Star Wars? Everybody know Star Wars? How many seen all the Star Wars prequels? Okay, not as many. It, they're not as popular. But in that Star Wars prequels, uh, the actor Ewan McGregor played the Jedi Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. Now, as I was scrolling the, my Facebook feed the other day, I saw a picture of Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi in his Jedi robes with his beard, his hood up. And I said, oh, that's a Star Wars post. What's that about? And the, the, the post said... If you're not ashamed of Jesus, share this photo of him. And, and the lady that shared it said, I'm never ashamed of you, Lord, but sometimes of myself. And I was like, that, that's, that's not Jesus. That's, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi. And uh, what, what am I supposed to say to that? Because immediately I, I was angered by it because... It was stupid. This meme was created to make Christians look foolish. Because we don't know the difference between Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi and Jesus. <laughs> and, and this lady was very sincere. I'm never ashamed of you, Lord, just to myself sometimes. And she shared this picture of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And I'm just like, what am I supposed to do with that? Because that's... There's an innocence there, but it's also so naive. It makes us look silly. I'm just like, this is why we have to become as wise as snakes and as innocent as doves. We cannot confuse Obi-Wan Kenobi with Jesus. We cannot do that. We have to lose our Obi-Wan Kenobi faith and bring back our Jesus faith. You got it? Yes, that's it. Thank you. 
<laughs> I bet you won't share this because you're too embarrassed to have Jesus on your wall. Obi-Wan Kenobi, ladies and gentlemen. But, so we have to have this discernment that, that we can break out of our own naivete without losing our innocence. And that's a trick. Because the thing is, when we lose our naivete and we embrace this wisdom of a snake, we move out of naivety and we become courageous. Then we can become a, a people that can call out the insincere and the fake and the things that make us look foolish without losing the magic that gives our faith its power. So being wise as a snake does not mean that magic is not real. We understand that, yes, the magic and the power of the Spirit of God is real. It is wild. It is untamed. It is going to do things that we cannot explain. But at the same time, we're not caught off guard by Obi-Wan Kenobi and thank you, Jesus. We're not caught off guard by imitations of the faith just because they may align with our political party. We're not caught off guard by ministers who are only in ministry so they become rich and they can manipulate people. Because they're out there. The wolves are out there. And Jesus sent us like sheep among the wolves. These wolves want to embarrass, discredit, and kill us. But to be sheep among these wolves, to bring peace to these wolves that want to kill us, we have to be as wise as a snake, as innocent as a dove. And it's not easy. It's not easy to do. I end with a quote from uh, one of my favorite theologians, a guy named Stanley Hauerwas. He was commenting on this very verse we're looking at. I think he gets exactly at the point I'm trying to make. When he says, followers of Jesus are, sent, are sheep sent to the midst of wolves. But that does not mean that they are called to be stupid. Rather, they are to be as wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Wisdom and innocence are not often paired together. To have wisdom often requires the loss of innocence. But the innocence that the apostles are to embody, like the Beatitudes commending the poor, meek, and mournful, is not something achieved through effort. Rather, innocence names the unavoidable vulnerability of those sent into the world who will challenge the worldly powers with the weapons of the Spirit. Why did Jesus send us like sheep in, into a pack of wolves? So even though we are unavoidably vulnerable, we still have the power to challenge the worldly powers with the weapons of the Spirit. We can only challenge the worldly powers. We can only challenge the wolves as sheep if we become as wise as a snake and as innocent as a dove. How do we do that? Let's maintain and hold on to our childlike faith. Let go of our naivete. 
but embrace everything that the Spirit wants to do. Have discernment. Understand that magic is real. But be ready to challenge the wolves at all costs. I'm going to pray for us. Okay. Then I'll turn it over to Crispin. Lord Jesus, God of Obi-Wan Kenobi, Lord, help us to be as wise as a snake, as innocent as a dove. This is not an easy task. And see, it's a verse that has been haunting me, and I don't know exactly how to do it. I'm not sure if I've communicated how, but Lord, you called us to be sheep in the midst of wolves and to be as wise as a snake, as innocent as a dove. And so, Lord, I'm asking you that you will give us the sermon to understand how to do that as we go through our daily lives. Lord, there is a world out there that, that is hostile to your message, and we want to bring that message to those people that are hostile to it, and that's a dangerous thing. But we know we can bring that message if to them, if we are wise as snakes and sins as a dove. So, Lord, teach us. Lord, teach us how to let go of our naivety without letting go of the magic of the Spirit. May we sense and hear your Spirit clearly every day. And when we have discernment to know what is your voice and what is not. Lord, give us courage to speak up as, an, as a wise snake and as an innocent dove. And Lord, as we strive to, to understand this word that you've given us, Lord, just help us to become a pure embodiment of what you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Chris Brown.